0: Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Martina Roberts, who is currently in the midst of this album series called Coin Coin, which is some of the most dense and deep and wonderful music I've listened to in the past few years. I mean, the most recent instalment, she's currently on number three. That's the most recent one to to come out. It's just unbelievably layered. I mean, sometimes I'll listen to it on headphones and tell myself that I'm just going to focus on the sounds at the back of the frame. And suddenly I'm hearing layers upon layers of sound that have never come to my attention before. These compacted layers of history, of instrumentation, experimentation. There's a mixture of spontaneity and the present tense and lineage and identity. And there's too much to describe here, but please go and listen to Martina's music. Also, next week, so beginning of May, speaking from the time at which this is going out, martina is conducting a live collaboration tour with kelly jane jones as part of outlands which is a network of producers so kelly and martina will be starting with a residency at the cube in bristol before touring the country with a collaboration and also a series of workshops so they'll be hitting places like bexhill london obviously bradford salford please do go check out that collaboration. I mean, I've seen both perform individually and they're amazing. I cannot wait to hear the result of those two energies colliding. So you can find out more about Outlands over at outlands.network. You can find out more about Martina's music at martinerroberts.com. And you can find details on Martina's picks over at attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash Listening. I loved speaking to Martin, it was such a pleasure and I really think you'll enjoy this conversation there are a couple of moments where the Skype signal went a bit crackly and so Martin becomes slightly indistinct but it clears up those tend to be in the second half hopefully they won't distract you too much because it's a really nice conversation alright, enough babble Martina Roberts on Crucial Listening. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So I wanna start by talking about this collaboration that you're going to be doing over here in the UK, in fact, with Kelly Jane Jones, as commissioned by Outlands. My first question is how you guys were brought together. I mean, was it something that Outlands took care of, the pairing of you two, or uh, was there any involvement from your side on that?
1: Yeah, it was something that um, Outlands and uh, the booking agency that I work with, Q Junctions, had tossed around and asked me about. And I had uh, been on a few festivals where Kelly Jane was also playing. And we actually split a bill and hung out a little bit. And I really like what she's doing and her whole process and how she thinks about things. And then it just came up uh, sort of naturally uh, via Q Junctions and then Outlands. And then it was put to me and I thought, oh, that's that's a lovely idea. I would love to do a lot more collaboration than I've gotten to do in the last couple of years. And so it just feels kind of the right moment, the right time to try something new.
0: I was really excited to see that you'd be working with Kelly Jane as well. I've been r- in raptures from having seen her previously when she's played and also with yourself. And I think that Melding of Minds is going to be fascinating.
1: Thank you. I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I just I like in collaboration. I like to learn and I look forward to what it is I might learn. I think she's a very special musician.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you know how you're going to spend because it starts with like a residency period? Is that right? at the cube? yes and do you have any thoughts on how you might use that time or i mean is it just gonna be a matter of playing with each other
1: no it's gonna be a matter it'll be a matter of playing with each other and kind of getting to to know each other sonically and then maybe trying to build from there but however whatever it will be it will grow organically over the the i think we have 10 dates or so Mm. in that tour So there's no particular goal in mind and there's no particular, uh, but there's also no particular kind of rules or framework or, you know, sort of noted thing that we're trying to go after, I don't think.
0: And you're playing, from what I can see, some really interesting venues. I mean, some places I'd not heard of, and it turns out that they've only been open a couple of months, like some brand new spaces and um, some, you know, some theatre spaces, some more venue-type spaces, and obviously the Cube has got that lovely kind of cinema vibe to it. I mean, you're someone who, I know when you came over before, you've toured, you know, a particular set of material um, throughout various different spaces. I mean... What's the experience been like for you to take like a an idea or a concept and see how it handles in different spaces? I mean, do you feel the imprint of of different environments upon the work and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I really like um I really like using the space as a kind of external instrument. I always see that as sort of a thing I used to do a lot of solo shows in uh, abandoned buildings, broken down buildings and places like that and kind of got into this idea of how the architecture is also not only a space in which to inhabit, but it's also a space that, that is making its own sound and that you really have to plug into to that environment as well as the witnesses around to really get the idea of, of what is happening in real time. I feel really privileged in that I get to experience my sonic travels in different types of spaces, some that, you know, that are very common and that you would, yes, that's where, you know, you would see me doing something and some places where you might not know about but that are just as interesting or may not actually be fit for quote-unquote performance but can be made an actual accessory to whatever's happening in the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I heard that you did a project actually quite recently on a similar line. Was it out in public? I think. Um, was it like a residency at the near the end of last year?
1: Yeah, that that was a uh, in the middle of uh, Madison Square Park in New York City, um, where they allowed me to use the park as kind of my artist's my my workspace and work in real time. And I, you know, for many years, I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but I've made my living in the beginning of my career as a street musician and so playing in streets and subways and and things and having this constant interaction interruption type practice moving along with kind of my sonic explorations and i really there's something about that 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 makes me feel a bit more alive sometimes uh and the residency in park um Yeah, people, they made me feel a bit more alive and dangerous than I'm I'm used to feeling, which was (laughs) interesting. Uh, Because it's just a different, America right now is just, there's a fervor and a, a, a negative kind of vibrance that, to me, that's, there's an edginess that I've never seen before. And so that residency in the park, I felt that really for the
0: first time. And so, in terms of almost using that negative energy as a, a friction with which to to play with, you mean?
1: Yeah, it's sort of like that weird. Um, that's I keep talking to people about the Black Panther movie because I have such, I have so many problems with it. But there's this one thing where this one character, whenever someone throws violence at him he retains that violence and then that violence becomes his to throw back out of the people and he's twice as strong or three times as strong or blah 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 mm. and i think about that that's a weird analogy a weird pop cultural analogy but i think about like ah the negativity that people were giving me in the park for instance that's something for me to internalize and reform into something else you know that saying about like it's not what happens to you that matters it's how you respond Mm. and so it's that kind of constant that constant negotiation and as an improviser there's just something really thrilling about trying to work through those different ideas
0: also as well i guess as a saxophonist i mean i've seen you talk about how the saxophone acts as almost like an extension of the human voice and I, I guess there's almost like this amplification aspect with the saxophone which isn't maybe so apparent than with say i don't know a violin or something it's um i don't know it almost feels like it's projecting the voice almost in quite a direct way rather than simply being a an instrumental conduit i don't know if that makes sense but uh i wonder if that's the source of it
1: yeah, no, I mean that's that's a part of it. I mean the saxophone was created to mimic the human voice. It was also a military instrument. If you think about it, it was used in a lot of kind of like brass band, military band, style sorts of sorts of things when it first showed up. Um and it has that sort of thing where it somehow the sonicness of it seems to grab people's attention whether their attention is positive or negative from what i've you know found out the the great saxophonist henry threadgill i read an interview where he was talking about um how he was playing tenor saxophone he used to play tenor saxophone in these churches and it wasn't until he started playing alto saxophone in these at these church revivals or whatever that people started getting the holy ghost and the, the alto saxophone has this very particular thing about it oh, in wow. terms of how it can grab People And I always think of that story because that story goes along the lines of the same things that I think about in terms of dealing with the alto saxophone and, and how much it is. I don't know, reflective of the human experience, sonically speaking.
0: Mm. Yeah, I watched a video of you earlier and there was a point where you were about to play like a solo piece and you just did Uh one bleat of one note and someone went, woo, like in the crowd. (laughs) It's like instantly kind of got a jolt of of energy simply just from having one note from this instrument. It was great.
1: No, that's really something. And that's, yeah, I love, I love the alto saxophone. Uh, It's at the base of everything I do. And I just, it's just got that thing.
0: (laughs) And in terms of the other things you've got on the horizon, I see that you've also got a exhibition coming up called Jump at the Sun in New York.
1: Yeah, so I I make these large graphic scores and mixed-media collage pieces that I like to use in a lot of my composition work, but I also like for them to sit as objects.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: Jump of the Sun will be um, kind of just more work in that vein that I've been working on, that I've been trying in sound and trying not in sound and just... Asking other musicians to consider, asking myself to consider, mostly more more so works in progress, because I feel like my whole practice is just a constant work in progress. But it's a really exciting gallery. Friedman Gallery is really fascinating. Uh, the proprietor there, Olya fridman is so supportive of what it is I'm trying to do. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that.
0: I don't know if this is a. Naive question or I'm obviously you're in the midst of such a big project with CoinCoin at the moment. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How how much of that contributes to the sense that everything's a work in progress? I mean, do you think you still have that sensation once all of those twelve instalments have been realized?
1: Yeah. You know, that CoinCoin is a beast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's a beast it's it's knocking me all over the place and that's good that's what your work is supposed to do to you right Mm. um and it's i feel so privileged that i've been able to focus on that work and keep that work moving um but i will say when it's all said and done i i think i still will feel as if it's if as if it 's a project that is a work in progress mm-hmm. because it 's really a it 's a series of documents really it 's uh that that seem to map major cornerstones for me in my development but also in my personal life and and everything like it's kind of wound up in everything that I feel that I am as a as an arts person and so Yeah, I don't know if I could give you a good answer to that question, um, because it's ever-evolving.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been so great to keep abreast of where that project is headed, and I guess as well as a a listener, I I mean, I understand that there is um, a framework that's already mapped out for the project and has been for some time, but um, as someone who's discovering the project, as each installment comes out, each installment is blowing open the parameters of what the project is, which is amazing, I mean... How much of your time is spent with CoinCoin at the moment in terms of cultivating the next installment?
1: It's constant. And so, like, it's everything. It's kind of the foundation for everything else, really. Um, This year for CoinCoin, I mean, CoinCoin 4 has been recorded, and I'm just kind of trying to figure out how I want to mold it for the listener. There's some things that I I want to to communicate through it that I want to make sure are clear. So I'm grappling with that right now. But it really is the foundation. All my other work is kind of built around that. So this year, there's a lot of travel involved. I'll be going to Africa to see the some of the slave ports in West Africa for the first time, something I've never wanted really to do. But I feel mm. like I'm just... <laughs> I just I just really want to do that. I'm going to be um, doing weird experiential things like taking a ship trip from uh, the United Kingdom to New York City just to understand that feeling of being on the ocean transatlantically, something I've never experienced. I'll be doing more research in Scotland and Ireland and Wales because uh, I seem to have There's some Welsh history um, involved in this project that I wasn't really aware of at first. Um, And I'll be going to Indonesia for the first time later this year to kind of get more of an idea of artistic practices that sit as cultural practices and how that's kind of fanned out into these really interesting arts collectives that are existing in places like Jakarta and some other spaces that kind of connect back to the work reverberating around migration Uh, to me the work is constantly about this idea of migration so i'm i'm constantly calling research looking at documents just dealing with data i'm obsessed with data i've decided that that's actually what's really going on and i'm just trying to call more data and constantly writing and editing picking things apart picking ideas apart and then kind of scrambling that all back into the alto saxophone and, and pushing out new reflections of that to consider with musicians.
0: Well, I realized that you mentioned right at the start of this, that it would be nice to take a break and talk about some music. And I've spent the last 15 minutes now that... <laughs> so talking about everything. It's probably... <laughs> totally fine. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> uh, well, you have uh, give me a list of three albums that you considered to be important to you. And thank you for doing that. Um, I'm interested to hear if there is any particular means by which you consider or considered the term important when you produce that list. I mean, was there any kind of... I don't know definition that you had in mind where you thought, okay, this is what makes makes a record important to me. Or
1: yeah, Jack. To be honest with you, it was a nightmare. I'm oh,
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: okay. That's okay. It kept me up at night. I was like, how am I going to choose <laughs> just three? There's no way. And that word important. If you think about it too much, you I started to think about it too much, and was like, well, you know, there are recordings that I consider important, but they're not necessarily recordings that I want to talk about and I decided that important I'll pick records that to me that they just have I feel very sentimental about them and that, and that to me that sentimentality is important because it gives me a push to keep Doing this thing that I'm trying to do, you know, because like putting your workout or your writing or whatever your artistic practices, it's really like wearing your heart on your sleeve, you know, mm. and um, and these particular recordings for me, they just represent, um, well, one, musicians and artistic people that I deeply admire, but also who I feel really are trying to go for something, just really try to go for it and that, you know, risk everything. And to me, that's what's most important about an arts life.
0: I definitely feel that sentiment coming through in all of these. Um, If you'd like to pick the first one you'd like to talk about, Martina, and um, tell me a little bit about why it's important to you as well.
1: Uh, hmm. Well, I guess, how about Hannah Marcus's Desert Farmer? Sure. I, you know, I mean, two things. I love all the musicians on that record. All the musicians on that record represent a certain time span in my head and a certain kind of sound and a certain sort of, of like discovery of community um, and friendship. I, l- I love the way that the, that the record was recorded sonically, the way that it sounds is just really beautiful. Um, Hannah is, she's very, very special. She is, to me, an incredibly, uh, underrated is not the word I want to use. Underrated is wrong. Uh, um, she is an incredibly humble person, a humble um, arts person who I feel, uh, not enough people know about these records. Yeah. I guess that's what I feel. Yeah. And I wish I've heard grumblings that she's working on new material, but I just really like the the textures, the overall sound, kind of this mix of just like a touch into avant-sonicness, but then back into this sort of singer-songwriter um really fluid melancholic lyrics that really speak to me Mm. um uh, and maybe speak to me of another time i'm not sure but when i hear the music i just i feel something i feel a certain sense of community i like i just like lyrical writing where i can tell that the person that's writing the these lyrics likes to read books, you know, (laughs) and, and like, like enjoys dealing with language. And so from a lot of her records, I get that. I can hear that. I can tell that. And, and I just feel like what she's, she's tried to put forth on all of her recordings is actually, it's just a really giving
0: experience.
1: Yeah, I think that's all I can say about that record.
0: Um, I I mean, can I ask about that time of your life? You mentioned that it's got particular ties to um, a particular period for yourself. I mean, I guess it wasn't too long after you were on the Godspeed record, was it? Was that... A couple of years I can't remember what
1: year what year let's see I'm looking that up right now actually what year was that Godspeed record that Godspeed record was probably 2003 yeah 2003 makes sense yeah yeah right to- wow 2003 yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I guess I guess you know those were my kind of beginning new york years really in a sense i mean i had moved to new york in maybe 2001 2002 and so that was the beginning of something and maybe it's when i hear that record i can hear what that felt like there was a certain sort of sort of like newness to possibility um those kind of upstart years and in those few years i met people who are really some of my oldest friends and who've always kind of stood by me um regardless of whatever they're just like solid and then that that godspeed record actually happened in chicago yeah it's just that's just a really interesting time period of of me um getting some understanding of what was what might be possible? I think I was working in a bookstore at that time, um, playing on the streets and the subways, living in a a room that really should have been a closet <laughs> in Queens, and biking all over the city, uh, and ha- having no money to do really anything but finding ways to do really, really cool stuff. And and most of the people that I met around that time, everybody has gone on to do, like, really... They're still doing really interesting work. And so I think that's why this particular record has a certain sort of sentimentality. And then, yeah, it's got some of the Godspeed folks on the record as well as some people associated with Godspeed but not in Godspeed. So I see that. I believe... It was, I'm trying to see where it was recorded. I don't remember if it was recorded in Montreal or not. But yeah, maybe maybe the reason I love it so much is it feels like family music. Those people, <laughs> they are my family, a lot of the folks on that record. I, I would die for them.
0: And their voices come through so distinctly as well. Like I, I knew, even without looking it up, I was like, I recognize those instrument tones. And I mean, Jessica Moss as well, like her violin felt, so distinctive when it came in i was like i I know i know which part is jessica it was uh... yeah
1: that's that was what was so hard about picking these three records because i actually was going to pick her new record because i love that record wow and i was like i love that record i love that record so much and she is she is one of my biggest heroes i it's really she is living the creative life in the in the way that i feel It should be lived and that is, you know, risking everything, taking as many risks as as possible and building those risks through a community. But I I decided on this record because this record, I'm still sort of exploring uh, Jessica's new solo work. And this record, I still listen to all the time. It's silly, but I listen to it all the time. (laughs) All the time.
0: Why is that silly?
1: Well, because it's like... I don't know. It's, there's so much music. Mm -hmm. There's so, there's so much great music to check out and listen to people putting out great records every day. you know, it's dizzying trying to keep up, but it's also really exciting. And why, you know, why am I choosing this record that, it's was so long ago now, in a sense. Yeah. But this idea of importance and what has been important to me and things that I've listened to that have given me made me feel some strange kind of psychic support. This was one of those records. And so I just, I was like, I, you know, I just have to choose this. And there's, yeah, when I hear Jessica... Her sound is so distinctive when I hear Hannah, her voice to me is has this distinctive quality that I can only attach to her voice. Hmm. Um, Raymond, the dog that's doing vocals. I knew that dog. Oh wow. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So I, I love I, that dog, and I had a very special relationship, and so it was, really, it was just really amazing to hear those barks and be like, "That's not just any bark; that's Raymond." I know, I know. This barks, and and uh, Hannah Marcus is someone who I feel is also she has like this hyper sensitive curiosity where she's always checking out all sorts of things that I find really fascinating. And that I also is important to living an artistic life in terms of keeping your going after the things that you're most curious about, whether they fit within the construct of what they're supposedly supposed to fit in or not, because that's the way that I work. Also, I'm just always weaving in and out of, different areas of curiosity for myself and then weaving that back into my creative output so there's something that i recognize some sort of kinfolk or or um mirroring that i i recognize in her artistic output and just in the way that she lives her life
0: yeah i mean when you mention the fact that this record hasn't been heard by enough people there's a severity to it which made me quite surprised and considering it like you say with the personal involved that it hasn't been circulated more widely or I haven't heard someone say look listen check this album out because yeah I mean that second song or I guess the first song proper um, yeah blew me away like I haven't felt that shaken by a song in quite a while I mean do you have a I don't know if it's a cruel question to ask of someone who you know, has such an attachment to this record as a whole. But do you have a a favourite song at all on this album?
1: Oh, that's, I love Desert Farmers. Mm. That is one of my favourites. I do love Laos and I'm not sure if she pronounced it Laos or Laos. I can't remember. Um, But Desert Farmers really speaks to me. I love the opening interlude that to me just sets things forth but I think her record is an example of what happens people are putting great out great records every day and it's like Russian roulette of who falls between the cracks you know yes. of what recordings fall between the cracks and I think that this is a prime example of a record that just fell in some crack and just did not get the how do you say just did not get passed around in the way that it should. And, you know, and that's something that I, with the coin coin work, for instance, I had to be really careful about when I was looking for a label to put out that music, it was a really scary, scary, scary thing, because I knew that that could happen. Um, if you, it's just a series of different types of events that, that could happen. And and if the word doesn't get out enough about something that you've made, then, it may fall between those cracks, also. And the wonderful thing about working with Constellation is they are just so on it. Yeah, I've never, I've worked with a couple of different record labels, and I tell you, I've just never, the passion and and fervor that they have for getting the word out on their roster's work stuns me every time.
0: Yeah, and they really mean it as well, by the sounds of it. I mean, I've speak spoken to Ian and like the enthusiasm and in fact we were talking about your work i mean the enthusiasm that he with which he talked about your music and i think it was eric chanot as well at the time just it's so clear oh, that yeah. they're putting everything into that
1: yeah it you know they don't it's it's serious business like they don't um they put artists on their rosters whose music and output they really personally, deeply like, and it just shows Hmm. and how they care about it. Because this work, the coin coin work for me is my legacy work. When I think about like, if I have to think about legacy, like it's that, it's that special to me. And I like putting it in someone else's hands. It's a really scary thing. Every time I have to, to do that. Um, And they, They are so in my corner about whatever it is I'm after, and yet they also don't put any pressure on me, really, to do things in a certain way or do things by a certain time or blah, 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 blah. They really just kind of ride organically with the artists, and uh, they've shown me nothing but respect and and a ton of love, really. There's a lot of love all over that label. They really love. They're artists and it shows.
0: should talk about your second record martin if you'd like to tell me the name of it and um yeah a bit about why it's important to you as well
1: let's talk about stockhouses. oh <laughs> my <not>? god <laughs> oh my god this record i t- it's like vitamins for the brain i <laughs> i listen to this record and i just like like your eyes just pop open your ear everything just pops open like there's a new funnel of of psychic information going on listening to this record yes
0: from like the first second as well
1: (laughs) oh i love it
0: do you remember where you first heard this
1: um i feel like maybe the first time i heard it uh would have been 1999 maybe 1998 and at that time, I believe I was still, I remember in university, I had a, a composition teacher who pulled me aside and said, listen, music is just not going to be your thing. Like we need to, let's find something else or there's something. I was a music performance major, Let, you know, it's just, you're not going to survive. It's a. And then I heard this piece and I was like, what? This? This is what I'm after. Like this sonic fabric this is what I'm after this is music that to me sounds like every risk possible is being taken in real time and and as a as an improviser and being really steep deeply in improvised musics I also feel like that's a part of the motto of dealing with that music so I see a symbiosis between the two and then you know, and then I go in and out of not listening to his work for quite some time and then going back again and, and, and checking out scores and looking at things and then going back in and going back out and seeing like the confusion that people have around him about, you know, he was a composer, mystic, you know, all these, you know, all these things that they, that people attach to him. But he was really someone who just had ideas. Yeah. He had ideas and he was determined to make sure that they were, they got realized. And I think whether they're ideas that people agree with or not, you know, um, and whether, I mean, I, you know, he got a lot of criticism also, some of which I think was, was uh, needed. Um, but I just really admire people who have a vision and they have a vision and they see that vision through in an artistic uh, kind of, way of being um so i listened to this particular recording the first version actually i like better than the the europa uh version but i listened to this and i go right 1962 63 64 65 whenever it was right you know like think about that yeah let's think about that let's talk about that and 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 all of this this legacy work that he left, it's just really interesting to dig into it and 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 kind of wash yourself in it and, and and use it as ways in which to reconsider the sonic world.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's amazing that he followed this through, and it sounds like he had some roadblocks along the way and the fact that I think at one stage the musicians that were due to be playing it rebelled and said we're not doing it and they had to cancel <laughs> a performance <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> and like you know people which you know I imagine is every composer's worst nightmare just people being like look we're not into this this is ridiculous and and then I think people like the audience thought that they were they were being mocked when the applause started from the from the musicians and there's a there's a lot of fuel for uncertainty and for throttling back and not doing it i guess (laughs) i
1: just i I love work that has so many different tunnels that you can travel down to try to figure out what the hell is going on and there's just something really special about that and I, i i also can relate in that i I mean, I've had dreams about musicians leaving in the middle of my gigs, but oh that's my. never happened. <laughs> but, but I have had, you know, like witness audience people leave or complain that, you know, that Th- this is too difficult or you know what is this that she's doing or i want my money back or blah blah blah. and i love it i love that because <laughs> yeah it's you know and the same thing like in the park that residency in the park like uh, when people would come over to me and start complaining i just turn things up louder because i want people to I want people to be critical thinkers. I want people to be critical listeners. Yeah. I want them to ha- get some idea of what their likes and dislikes are and then be challenged by those likes and dislikes. I love that about the human experience. And I feel with Stockhausen, there was just so much of that, um, yeah. that he dealt with, um, even until the end, and yet still such a confusing figure for so many, even for those who, you know, of us composers who should know better is not to be confused about certain things. But there's still, you know, an area of confusion that I find really fascinating.
0: When you had that lecturer say to you, like, listen maybe this isn't for you i mean you said how you know when you're in the park and people complained or pushed back you wanted to go louder i mean back then was the situation similar in that did being told this isn't for you make you want to more fervently push forward with it
1: well i have to tell you i mean as an african-american identified person raised by you know my dad was a a scholar and political activist my mother was a community activist and um and scholar as well and I just was raised in an environment that I was told to question anybody that questioned my validity at trying to do anything that I wanted to do that if I um if I had the will to do something that that was enough for me to keep trying and sometimes with those with the old college stuff because I I got a fair amount of negativity in those environments, um, with the exception of one. But early on, I was suspicious of anybody telling me that I couldn't do something. And then at the same time, sometimes I say to myself, well, maybe those lecturers actually were practicing some kind of reverse psychology. And they knew <laughs> that if they said this, <laughs> said this to someone, then, then that person would, you know, flip things back around and, 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 and work harder. And that's doubtful. But yes. that's one way, you know, to, to, to think about it. But, um, but I was just always raised to side eye anyone telling me that I couldn't do something artistically that I really wanted to do and so it prepared me better for the life that I've going after like adventurous making adventurous music and a chance piece that I premiered at a gallery in New York maybe years ago and it made one of the musicians really angry (laughs) (laughs) so I just I, I he was also having a really bad day, I think, so you also have to take that into account. But it's really interesting to you have to work with that kind of energy and realize that you have to figure out some way to remold that, to fit the moment, to fit the space. And we were able to work it out in many, really, really difficult Um And so I think these earlier experiences I've had have just helped me to understand that to be human is complex and taking things personally is not the way to live an art life. And and you, you learn to filter in the things that you can use and learn to filter out the things that you can't.
0: We have one more record to talk about, Martina, if you'd like yeah. to give me the name of it and, uh, yeah, why it's important to you.
1: Oh, we're talking about um, Joelle Liandra and uh, Derek Bailey's um, duo, series of duo recordings. Series of duo recordings that I think were part of, like, two sets at a club in Paris. I think it's called No Waiting. Yeah. And... Uh, Oh, I, I mean, I just don't even know where to start with those two. I, I don't know if I can talk about them together, or if I should talk about them separately. Joelle Leandra is just the ultimate. Uh, uh, to me, as an improviser, she is the ultimate. And and she, is, she has a passion for what she does that is clear. And every performance I've ever seen and every record that I've ever heard, in every, I've had maybe two or three conversations with her. And I, rem, I remember I ran into her in, uh, God, maybe Switzerland or somewhere. We were on the same festival. And I, and I said to her, you know, Joelle, you know, you don't ever take rest. Like you're so busy. She had contacted me about playing a show with her that was literally two years away. Oh, and I and I God. and I remember saying to her, I was like, Joel, two years away, I can't, I don't book that far in advance. And so <laughs> when I ran into her in Switzerland or France, wherever, I was like, Joel, don't you ever take a a rest? Like you're so busy, you're booking things, having to book things two years in advance. And she says, but I have a passion. I I just have a passion. <laughs> and she and she's right. She has this unwavering devotion. To experimentation for this for experimentation's sake and for making sure that her voice is is out here and is clear and is ugh, just standing tall and it's defiance and I just I really relate to that and then Derek Bailey he is my favorite I have to say if I have to pick a favorite improvising guitarist of of from the past in a sense um He is my favorite in terms of the sonic sculpturing that he seemed to be naturally able to access in ways that I've never quite heard on guitar um, until I started listening to him. So the combination of both of them together is explosive to me. Mm. It's just really it's really quite explosive it's it's a meeting of minds it's a meeting of people who are on the exact same wavelength but yet are individually so different in how they approach things in real time
0: and again it seems like i mean i found a a quote from Derek bailey which actually feels like so pertinent to a lot of what we've talked about today where he Basically says that if there are no difficulties, it seems that there's no point in playing and, you know, the things that excite him are trying to make things work. And when it does, it's amazing. Um, Yeah. And I love hearing that strain of things just about coming together, kind of against the odds almost.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's very
0: special. And Joelle I'd never really I mean Derek I've heard some of his recordings I'd never heard anything by Joelle like she's I watched videos of her as well she is amazing
1: <laughs> Yeah Joelle she is a beast I mean it's like it's beastly she is not she's <laughs> taking no she takes no prisoners and I, and I just feel she's very vocal she's just a very vocal um person and it also shows within the music, and and her devotion to her instrument is so clear. And I think, again, this is a record I picked because she's built a a really fascinating, and is continuing to build, a really fascinating body of work, regardless of being known or not known or um getting the word out in a certain way or not getting the word out in a certain way she is dedicated to the doing and mm. that is something that i feel like this dedication to the doing is getting lost sometimes in this like constant on world that we're in right now As arts people, where, yeah, we've got to do the doing, but we've got to do all this other stuff too in order to support the doing. To me, she always puts, she does those other things, but she always puts the doing first. And I just feel like listening to that record, listening to her, and also listening to him, just his sense of adventurousness reminds me of why I do what I do. And have you played with Joelle yet? No, you know, she did ask me to do something. And again, like I said, it was two years in advance. And and I I was forever kicking myself and saying no. And I apologized to her when I... Ran into her that time. I said because I'm just not used to being asked. I you know I have some things booked already in 2019, but at that time I think it was like 2017, and she was asking me something about, about 2019. And the only person that I that I do that with actually now, well before, right after that maybe is John Zorn and the Stone in New York. Like I've I have a booking at the Stone in New York in 2020. You know, it's just <laughs> it just he just he works that way and i'm used to working that way but internationally i was not used to working that way and after i told her no i was just kicking myself like what (laughs) you don't say no to joelle you don't say no you just say yes and you 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 get there because there's an important lesson that she is a master, and it's important to play with these masters who are still on a constant search, but have they just have a rootedness that, that um, other musicians, like of my contemporaries, for instance, that we don't have. And so it's just important to, to connect with these master musicians.
0: on time Martina. but thank you so much Great. for sp- spending time to talk to me about these records it's been fantastic for me and really enlightening listening experiences i've had on the back of these as well so thank you
1: okay fantastic thank you so much for talking to me sorry for my loquaciousness but it was a joy to talk about music
0: oh, i'm so glad if people want <laughs> to uh find out what you're up to is there a best place for them to be headed
1: well yeah I have a new website, uh, com. that finally – it's taken, like, a year and a half to get this site off the ground. Um,
0: (laughs) Looks good, though.
1: No. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I had, like, this – I had a crazy experience. Not a crazy experience. I just – i wanted it to have more bells and whistles but you know what forget the bells and whistles come to the shows go <laughs> listen to the records and go support more people who are making adventurous music and taking lots of risks and risking it all instead of looking at the bells and whistles on my website
0: <laughs> that's a great lesson to end it on i think thank you Matala.